I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Inside the Ropes. My name is Kenny McIntosh, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. And Finn, there is a lot for us to talk about today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, there's a lot for us to wade through. A lot for us to wade through. <laughs> trying. I don't know whether we're going to be able to make sense of even half of this, Kenny. Let's be honest. No, I don't know if we are. But before we go into... Uh, Last night's dynamite and some of the things coming out of that. Um, we obviously need we obviously need to talk about the big return, the most monumental return that has shaken the wrestling world to its very foundations, Finn. Exactly. Comeback to end all comebacks. And I, of course, mean the return to the WWE of the Road Dog. Road Dog is back. And you know what? You know, he's he's not going to have to make any apologies about no pyro because we've got the pyro back as well. The pyro is back. You know, his his buddy's in charge. So this is the first, I mean, really this is the first hiring back of somebody from Triple H's crew. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, we should point out that apparently Jeff Jarrett's gone. That didn't last long, did it? Road Dogs actually replaced Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, that's what we said. So wild that that's I mean, the has Jarrett been inundated with offers of wrestling gigs? You know, why has he stepped down from this role with WWE? Has he talked about it yet on his podcast? I would assume that he's gonna 
I mean, he usually does disclose some information about these things on on his My World podcast, doesn't he? So I, I don't think he's mentioned anything about this yet. I don't think he's recorded yet. No. And also, there was reports that his department, you know, the live vets department, has actually been up over the last few months. So it's not that you can really blame the performance of the department. But, I mean, it's a simple... I think, he, as far as I'm aware, he's not said anything that's, you know, broken a lot of news about it. Um, yeah. But essentially, I think they've just... They've let him go, and they've replaced him with Road Dog, and that's kind of it. That's the that's the decision. They've gone in that direction. Um you know, Road Dog's obviously a Triple H guy. I mean, he was a Vince guy for a little while, yeah, on Creative in 2019. But um, it's yeah, it's funny. Road Dog was was trying to uh, bark up the tree of AEW for a job. It didn't. Quite... <laughs> Funnily enough, telling them that he thought the program was the shits didn't make Tony Khan want to hire him. I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> know your angle, Finn. I mean... <laughs> That's it. That's it. I mean, constructive feedback is something that's... that can sometimes be a way to get a job, <laughs> not fucking laying the boots in. Well, well, that's it. I mean, Tony, I don't think he likes criticism. I don't even think he likes constructive criticism. Never mind outright burials. Forget about it. No, that's not <laughs> his bag at all. I mean, but Tony, after this week's Dynamite, Kenny, I mean, he better get used to eating... You know, a, a dining. At, you better get used to that criticism because it's coming from from all corners, from all sides. People are just in disbelief as to what occurred last night in the match between John Moxley and CM Punk. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I read a little bit about it online before I watched it, so I was I was all I was sort of prepared, but not fully. And I was astounded by the length of the match and how one-sided it was. What's your opinion of all this insanity, Kenny? So, I mean, yes, they opened our two with the match, which which really led you to believe that was going to be the the, the whole second hour. Yeah. Now, as far as I'm aware, unless... And again, we don't really know all the information as of right now at 10, 20, 40 a.m. on the Thursday morning, but Punk is cleared to return. So this is not something where he couldn't wrestle and he came in injured or whatever. So it seems like this has kind of been an angle that they've done and it all out, we're going to get the proper match between Punk and Moxley. That's the direction that they're going in. It doesn't seem like... Because if, 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 if this was an MJF thing, if this was somebody else, that person would have been on this show and we would have had that as the kind of, you know, the all-out match is set. So I guess the, the question is... Is this angle and match an effective way to build the match to all out? And in some ways, I understand the idea that Moxley has just, you know, killed Punk and he's done all this dastardly stuff. But at the same time, AEW, to their credit a lot of times, has always proponed, uh, proponed themselves to be the company that is that does not... That, that if, they, if they're going to give you a match, they're going to advertise it, it's going to be the match. It's not yeah. going to be... And now they've done, you know, they've they've not done a swerve, but they've kind of done a, we're not really going to deliver what you want. We're going to give you the angle instead. And that's fine, but you you were the company who were not doing that, and now you are doing that. And I think that's important to know. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I suppose there is some merit in that, yes. I mean, the problem with this match, I mean, let's, 
I mean, I suppose the closest comparison in WWE would be, and in fact, it's, I suppose in some ways it's comparable, would be Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch at SummerSlam last year. But Bianca, of course, was supposed to wrestle Sasha Banks. Sasha wasn't there. Becky Lynch came out as a surprise. And it was a fluke pin, 26 seconds, right? This wasn't a fluke pin, was it? No, this was a, a real defeat of CM Punk. I mean, this was, I mean, Punk showed no heart, no courage, no fortitude. People online are comparing this to his UFC catastrophes, which is not, surely not what Punk wants to be reminded of, nor AEW wants to be reminded of, just how poorly Punk did in the octagon in real fighting. I mean, he was just, I mean, he was just a, he was just a shambles. I mean, he shouldn't, he should he should have had the wisdom to know that he couldn't do this and just withdrawn and not fought for real. And here we are in a predetermined worked environment and they're essentially presenting a pro wrestling version of what happened to him in UFC. I mean, it was such a one-sided beating by Moxley. Um, and I mean, then also, are they, are, are, they, are they playing into all the backstage drama? Is that what part of this is? Is that is part of it, you know, playing into the fact are they, are they giving Punk sympathy back by having him get mauled here by Well, not really, because he was booed, wasn't it? When he was he, on the short time that he was on offense against Moxley, he was pummeling Moxley, he wasn't on offense he wasn't on offense in the match for very long. Fans were loudly booing him. Oh, yeah, but I mean I mean more when they get to Chicago. Is this a way to try and get the the babyface, you know? reaction back for Punk if he gets mauled like this. Because otherwise, after last week, Punk is clearly the heel because he was just, you know, he was burying ads and page, he was doing all that stuff. So is is Tony Khan trying to correct the course with this? Is that what this is? Well, I I mean, I don't see how this achieved that. I mean, there would have been a way of doing it. And that would have been if Punk had, um, you know, like a courageous performance. He wasn't pinned. He refused to tap out. It was a doctor stoppage. They could have done that story, and that might have achieved that objective. This certainly didn't. It was a very easy pinfall victory for Moxley. I mean, Punk obviously sold the fort. People haven't seen it. Maybe people, this is not obvious to people who haven't seen the match. You know, Punk had the obviously the foot injury, took time off to have the surgery, returned. He came back seemingly before he was ready, but as you've already pointed out, Kenny, he is cleared, medically cleared to wrestle. It's just a storyline injury, a storyline uh, injury that he suffered in the match when he when he kicked Moxley, so he sold the foot. And then Moxley did the elbows to the head. He worked a little bit on the foot, but not really Moxley. So it wasn't like a submission finish. He could have gone with like a, a heel hook or an ankle lock or some sort of submission joint manipulation finish on the affected part of Punk's anatomy, that would have played into that finish where Punk looked heroic and wouldn't submit, wouldn't tap out, but passed out with pain. You know, in a way, you, you almost can't do that finish because they've done it with Brian Danielson recently so many times. But, I mean, had they done that finish, they could have probably got away with it. Then Punk would have had an excuse. I didn't tap out. He didn't pin me. You know, the doctor stopped the match. I didn't want to quit. You know, let's have a street fight at the pay-per-view. And instead, we didn't have that finish. We had a straight pinfall finish. 
which Moxley achieved in three minutes and 10 seconds. I mean, this was just a, I just can't make sense out of any of this. This is just so dumb. I mean, it's just absurd. How has this made anyone more interested in seeing these two wrestle again? I can't understand how it how it can achieve that that goal. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the obvious uh, answer to that because the weird I mean the thing is like you know all it is in ten days yeah now so and they've obviously they filmed Rampage where apparently Moxley uh, takes some shots at, I think it's Vince at one point where he talks about you know Claudio and the whole thing when on the you know, when Vince was on the Austin podcast talking about, you know, Cesaro lacked the it factor or whatever. So he says something, you know, praise Claudio for ignoring some crazy old man's opinions and sticking to his guns. What was the point of bringing that up? Vince isn't even there anymore. Which, oh, but also that... that... AEW, not running WWE down. I I don't have a problem with doing lines like that, but the problem with doing a line like that is, A, you should have done that line the week that he came in. Not now, and then also, is if Punk if if you want Punk to be the babyface eventually, if that's the plan, then why would Moxley be doing that here? Because it just makes Moxley seem more likable if he's you know behind Claudio, who's this guy that you know the wrestling fans for years have thought, oh, I wish he was doing more. It's just all a mess, it seems. It's and we've got totally all nonsensical. Ten days. Totally nonsensical, Kenny. It's it's. I mean, this is Vince Russo. It's worst. Abysmal. I don't know if it's as bad as Russo is worse. Oh, I mean, it's not as, maybe not as bad as David Darker's champion, but it's not far off. I mean, this because you think it, it has this situation. Is it going to make people more or less likely to buy all out to see Punk and Moxley? And that's going to be the that's going to be the measure of the success of it. Really, is what the answer is to that. Well, I mean, Punk was just looked really weak. No courage, no heart, no fortitude. He looked like a, a, he looked like a nobody on that finish. I mean, so, and, and it, so then he's going to come back next week on Dynamite and yeah. do some promo to be like, "I'm ready for my rematch." Is that? It's just all very odd that that's going to be set up on the Go Home Show. Well, I mean, the fact that this match even took place on TV was was. I mean, just mind-blowing. I mean, this match was supposed to take place at the pay-per-view. I mean, they've been promoting it effectively ever since Punk uh, suffered the injury and then Moxley became the interim champ. And, I mean, this was a natural pay-per-view main event, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So they rush it, they give it away on TV to try and pop a rating like Goldberg Hogan. I mean, Goldberg Hogan was an incredible TV match. For all the complaints and criticism of it, most of which is valid, that was an amazing moment that people still talk about today. I mean, no one's going to be talking about, you know, this match in 24 years, other than how stupid it was. I mean, I'm just, I just can't. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I mean, nothing really surprises me in this company anymore. But I mean, that was one of the, dumbest things I've seen in a very long time. I am surprised because like, for all the stuff with Tony Khan's booking decisions that have been questionable, he has always kind of taken care of the main event scene. It's always been the thing that he's kind of, you know, he's not rushed things, he's just sort of went with whatever the, the main event program is. So for this to happen, 
And then for the, the go-home show to be them setting up the Punk and Moxley rematch just seems... Because then also you've got all these people who... like So say they, say they get 1.1 million as the viewing figure. Say that's yeah. what they get. But then those extra people who've tuned in for this big title match that you've advertised, they got a three-minute match. Yeah. So did you deliver what you were saying no. you were going to deliver? No, you didn't. They Probably did not. not. Um, but the the fun doesn't end there for for old Tony, um, because <laughs> he also now I I can't remember if I talked about this with you or Sandra. I remember mentioning where is Eddie Kingston because he obviously you know big part of the company. He's very popular, um, and we've not really seen him around uh, recently. And the reason, according to Fightful Select, is that he was suspended. Um, because obviously he was he'd started to set up the feud with Sammy Guevara, which looked like it was going to lead to a match all out. But apparently there was a altercation uh, where Guevara had made a comment about Eddie Kingston's physique, and Eddie Kingston this 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 was not an, an agreed thing, I guess. And Eddie Kingston was said to have taken a swing at Guevara, and this led to suspension. Um, the suspension is apparently already over now, but you know, if the match was happening, we would have probably known about it by now. But um, this is also not a great thing for for AEW to be able to go through now is uh, to have to have you know one of your top stars that you have to suspend them because they take a swing at somebody. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> Well, this is what happens, though, when you don't have rules and boundaries and you don't have discipline. And it's like what we were talking about on Tuesday or whenever it was when we were talking about, you know, the Punk and um, Page, uh, well, rather Punk's unscheduled, unscripted promo on Hangman Adam Page on last week's Dynamite. It's just like, right, well, if he can get away with that. I mean, I guess the only way this Punk thing can make any sense is if this is a punishment for what happened last week. But to me, it, that still wouldn't really make any sense because if you're going to punish someone, don't bury them in a match. Don't bury one of your biggest stars. You must, I don't know, I don't know, Punk's making more money than anyone in AEW, but if he's not, it's going to be, he's going to be top three. He's a guy who's been there a year. He's supposedly going to headline the next pay-per-view in his hometown. And you've just jobbed him out in three minutes and 10 seconds. But I mean... You've got to have that discipline. You've got to let people know that they cannot go against the script. And if they do that, there will be consequences. Uh, regarding Kingston and Sammy Guevara, I mean, again, this is another thing where this is partly why promos in WWE were scripted or micromanaged or, you know, it was all overseen and everybody knew what the other person was going to say. So you didn't have people going off topic or making comments that were liable to upset people for real. I mean, it's all pro wrestling. It's predetermined. We're all working together for a common goal here. But yeah, you're right, Kenny. I mean, Sammy Guevara and Eddie Kingston, if Guevara's making, making a comment like that and Kingston's taking a swing in him, then to me, he should have been suspended. I mean, in Guevara as well, you know, there should be some repercussions there. It's like, you can't say these things. We're all part of the same team here. Well, it's, what, it's one on one, right? It's like if you're going to make a, if you're going to, if you're going to take kind of like you know off the cuff, unscripted digs at someone, yeah. either know them well enough to know that they could handle it, yeah, or or just give them a heads up. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're going, you're doing this to promote a match, um, and then you're going to be working together. And obviously, in pro wrestling, trust is paramount because you're trusting your body with your opponent to look after you and to make sure you don't land on your head or especially Sammy Guevara with all the moves he does. I mean, Eddie Kingston needs to be there to catch him. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there needs to be that trust there, but again, it's all about discipline and maintaining that in the locker room. And it just feels like that's been lost. And yeah, then, I mean, I, I, I understand. I mean, Sammy Guevara is somebody who is unbearable as a human being. It seems when you see him on social media, I mean, he just seems like someone who is is infuriating to be around. So I understand that, like, he's he's a nightmare. But as soon as you sort of take a swing at him, you lose your side of it. You know, then it's like because yeah. I'm sure Sammy Guevara would have then went crying to Tony Khan about it. Probably, yeah. Immediately, yeah. you're losing your dignity. And Eddie Kingston is the veteran; he needs to set the example. You know, just as Punk should have done. He shouldn't have gone out there and made those comments about Hangman Adam Page. Okay, Page said things that Punk objected to, but have that conversation backstage. You know, set the example. Yeah. You know, you can't have a lawless environment in pro wrestling. You, know, you need to get along and people need to be able to trust another person. And if that trust is broken, then it needs to be repaired. But don't do it in front of the world. You know, do it backstage privately. You know, you end up in this situation here where effectively law and order is broken down and people, you know, you're the laughing stock of the business. People are mocking you because, you know, you're behaving like a neurotic teenager. I mean, it's, you know, but it, I mean, it's got to come from the top down. This wouldn't happen in WWE. You know, they, they wouldn't stand for it. They just would not stand for this. And, um, when things like that, when things like this happen there, which they do very, very infrequently, there is, you know, a swift reaction and the message is sent to the locker room that this behavior will not be tolerated. And that's what Tony Khan needs to do. He needs to get everyone together and he needs to, he needs to, you know, it is, people need to respect his authority, Kenny. Indeed, indeed. And then... For AEW, I mean, I do, I do feel quite bad because it's, you know, it's the trifecta. Now we've got Thunder Rosa, who is um, stepping down as AEW World Champion uh, due to injury. Um, she on Dynamite, there's a backstage segment. She says she's unable to compete, so there's now going to be a fatal four-way to determine an interim women's champion between Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, and Jamie Hayter. Um so yeah, I mean, not not a great, uh, not a great run of luck for for old Thunder Rosa, but um, no. she's not exactly she's not exactly been setting the world on fire as women's champion. So, well, she might, hasn't. I mean, maybe a that... blessing in disguise for her to come back after an injury. Maybe people feel a bit more sympathy towards her. And I mean, she can't she can't be any more of a dud as women's champion as she is now. Well, yeah, I mean, she didn't exactly grow into the role, did she? Well, no. she, I saw I saw a thing the other day where it said uh, that um, she's like she's scared of heights or something, and she's overcome her fear of heights. I thought, well, she's not to endure any heights as the AEW Women's Champion, so it's not just had to put any of that to use. Yeah, me. I mean that battle of the belts match with Jamie Hater, and you know that spot I replayed it about three times where she did the brain buster and. Um, 
Oh, sorry. Was it Hater did the brain buster on her and Thunder Rosa came down and her knee struck Hater right in the face. And that's how she broke Jamie Hater's nose. And how Jamie hates her, it must have been the adrenaline, but that must have hurt so much. And she somehow managed to finish the match despite that injury. And uh, you just think, well, you must have taken that move many times. And like, how did that? I've never seen that happen before in a brain buster. Have you, Kenny? No, no, no. And it's just like, how are you being so out of control on your descent that you've managed to knee um, your opponent in the face? on impact with the mat and somehow Jay, I mean Jamie Hayter deserves to be made champ just for finishing that match in my opinion so I mean I hope she does become champion by the way she never held that belt before and she'll be more interesting champion than any of the others in that match um, but yeah I don't know what's going on with Thunder Rosa I mean total flop as champion I mean the company didn't exactly get behind her I remember we talked about this when she before she became champ or after she became champion and there was all these things they should have done to try and make her appear to be a champion. They did none of those things, of course, because they don't really understand how to create stars in AEW, or at least people who can't become stars on their own. The machine doesn't spring into action. There's just not a, a star-making machine there, really, for people who, who don't have the ability to sort of get over by themselves, uh, you know, to compensate for the shortcomings of a particular performer. But yeah, Thunder Rosa, I'm not really sure what the future holds for her, Kenny. It's um she's in a tough spot right now. I I can't see him making I cannot think of a reason why they would make her champion again. Because it's just not worked. She hasn't grown into the role and the company hasn't got behind her. So it just feels like failure on both sides. Um yeah, I mean the the I I saw I, I was talking to my other half yesterday and we were we were talking about Athena, you know, the former Ember Moon who's in AEW. Yeah, and I looked it up and she debuted at Double or Nothing and she yes. has still not had a singles match from Dynamite. And we it's are at just... the end of August, so and you know even people who you know the the thing the reason that you know things are very bad for the AEW women's division is that even you know people who are staunch supporters of certain parts of AEW stuff that they love. Are, are speaking out about it. You know, I saw I saw Brian Alvarez make a really good point about how the women in AEW are always given the 9.30 p.m. slot on Dynamite, which is the death slot. It's just, they're always given that sort of eight-minute match in that 10 minutes slot, and none of it ever matters. You know, it's always... And it's, you know, you get people like Killen King or whatever who... I mean, who's Killen King in terms of to the, to the audience? Who, who's, who is she? Why are you supposed to care about her? And then you've got, you know... WWE, who even before the last month, when there wasn't the kind of buzz about the company that there is now, the women's division was one of the things that they focused on pretty well. You know, so there was always at least one big feud that people were into. And um, in AEW, they just need to do more. I mean, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, they've been, you know, their whole history could be uh, exploited for a good storyline. Especially yeah. the, the, with the interim title, you know, but the fact that Britt Baker lost the title, I think she lost it to Thunder Rosa at Double or Nothing. I think I believe so. Yeah, but I mean, you know, she's the hottest female act in the company. They've not done a thing with her since, you know. So she's just kind of done nothing. And then Thunder Rosa is in a tag team with um, Tony Storm, who I will go on record as saying I think Tony Storm is the worst actress I have ever seen. <laughs> In my life, <laughs> I I've seen people in third year at school 
who have anxiety, who have more charisma than Tony Storm. Oh, it's been, it's just been, she's dire. I mean, what can you say? I mean, you've got people like Athena who who do have charisma and do have something to offer, and then they just don't get, you know, they're they're shoved onto dark and rampage. So, well, after Athena arrives, I know a lot of people think I'm very anti AEW, and I remember writing in the magazine that, you know, she challenged Jade Cargill, and I remember really put Athena over. We had a picture in what's going down that month, and I was saying, I hope she challenges Jade and becomes champ. And Athena, could do so much with that belt and she could work with other female performers, get them over, get herself over, get the title over. I mean, she's so good and they've done like almost nothing with her. And what can you say? It's just like, she's there. She's, she's trained. She knows what she knows what to do in any role and like use her to, to, to maximize her talents, you know, maximize this person's talents. You've hired her. You know, use her, make her a star. I mean, it won't be difficult. She'll get over. People like her. She's she's a likable person. She's personable. And, you know, the Jade Cargill project, I mean, just end it now. Get the belt on Athena. But it's, I just don't know, Kenny. It's, I mean, AEW, it's, it just needs new management. I mean, Tony Khan just needs to demote himself and just get someone new in there. He needs, a hand. he needs a hand. Oh, he, he needs, needs a, hand. a lot of assistance. I think part of the problem is that he's probably taking too much on. I mean, he's got all these programs to run. He's bought Ring of Honor. It's a lot of pressure. You know, the company's not really growing. I imagine this week's number will crack the million mark because of the advertised, you know, world title match. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there'll be a little, little sliver of good news there. But, I mean, look I'm- at the... Picture, you know, I, I think the, I think I think all out will do well on pay per view with with Moxley and Punk and Danielson and Jericho and I think that will do pretty well. But uh, pay per views aren't their issue. The pay per views are usually are, are usually decent for what the fan base want it to be. It's it's the TV that they need to get better at. Yeah, he's just it, they they. I, sometimes it feels like they they book to the they book to the people that watch it right now, and that's it. And yes, that's reason. exactly what they do. Yeah, exactly. and you need you need you need to book for more. You need to, you know you need to book for more people. So anyway, um, before we go, I did want to mention um one thing about you know in Triple H's new reign. I know people are kind of like you know anything he does is great because it's the new Triple H reign, but we still do have the twenty four seven title fin. And I was wondering, do you think that Triple H is going to phase this title out, or do you think we're stuck with the twenty four seven title? For the foreseeable, is this like is this part of the deal that you? I remember when it came in, the USA Network had wanted something, and I seem to remember they were involved in the desire for that title. But surely the USA Network wouldn't get flying. You know what? If they get rid of that belt, well, it hasn't been defended on Raw for some time. No, it's been defended on house shows, and it has been a part of the house show circuit, unfortunately. But um, it's not been on TV, thankfully. I mean, the fact that it's still on Dana tells you it's not a priority. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. No. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't see what the point of it is. It's. I don't think Paul Levesque has any faith in it or believes it has any value. To me, it should just be discontinued quietly without fanfare. And uh, it, it, I mean, it's just pointless to me. 
I mean, every time, you know, your heart sank, didn't it? Every time that belt was defended or the, you know, the 24-7 clown troop came out and interrupted a match that you, that mattered or, you know, something that you, that you might be interested in. It's like, oh, here they come again. Oh yeah, here it is. Ha ha ha. Isn't it hilarious? And it always, I mean, it never really filled much TV time. It was such an afterthought, even when it was a thing. So, I mean, to me, it should just be ditched, abandoned, dumped, jettisoned, cancelled, Kenny. Cancel it today. Oh, so I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I mean, I imagine there is a reason why he hasn't um, binned it yet. There must be a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but I don't think Triple H, Paul Levesque, has any faith in it and believes in it, cares about it thinks it's going to contribute anything to WWE in the future. So I think it's on borrowed time or maybe, or maybe, uh, you know, it's just wishful thinking on my part. What do you think, Kenny? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I, I can't believe that Triple H actively wants it around, but um, yeah, I, I, I hope that it does just kind of quietly go away because it's just, it's, it's not even a joke that's funny. It's just, it, it sort of reminds you of that previous era. And I think Triple H probably wants to move on from that. So, yeah. And, you know, Dana Brooke can find something else to do, I'm sure. She I, was actually I, very fun as the statistician for Titus Worldwide back in the day. She was, yeah. Back in was. that role, the Alexandra York esque role that she was in. <laughs> um, anything but carrying around that bloody title. I um, mean, wrestling Armageddon would be Dana Brooke leaving WWE and forming <laughs> a team with Tony Storm. Oh, God, can you imagine? I mean, it, it would do wonders for Dana Brooke, though. She would she would feel like Mildred Burke in comparison. <laughs> Tony Storm, man. It's the second coming of Manami Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite that. Maybe not quite that. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say to you uh, was uh, there was a report in The Observer about um, Triple H is high on theory. Um, and, you know, they think he's got a good size, good look, very good athlete, just needs a little bit more ring work. So this has got to be a a good uh, sort of jolt for Theory that knowing that now that Triple H is in charge, that he also is a fan of Theory because obviously he was a big Vince project. So yeah. this has got to be very good news for Theory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree. I mean, I'm glad that in hindsight that he didn't cash in Money in the bank at SummerSlam. It would have been too soon for him. Um, obviously, he could cash it. He could cash in after WrestleMania next year. So it doesn't have to happen for many, many months. And nor should it. Uh, but I mean, I'm a fan of Theory as well. I, I think he's a real talent. I think he's got. I think he can do it all. We've, I've, you know, praised him in the past many times. So I don't feel like I need to go over old ground again when it comes to Theory. But yeah, I'm sure he's heartened by this recommendation you know this endorsement from the new boss and um you know I'm, I'm eager to see what theory and johnny gargano do you know i mean i think hopefully johnny's going to win that feud i think theory can take a lot of losses yeah he's established enough now that it doesn't matter i mean he's got the briefcase the briefcase yeah, is going to help him i mean he lost to mcafee didn't he at wrestlemania mm-hmm I mean, I was astounded by that, and it made no difference whatsoever to Theory's career trajectory. It was still onwards and upwards, even after that defeat. So, I mean, that's a, it's not a rare quality, because obviously we saw that with Seth Rollins as well earlier this year, losing 
three consecutive premium live event matches to Cody Rhodes and Rollins is as big a star at the end of that feud as he was when it, you know, before it began. So um, if you've got the talent, I think wins and, you know, losing matches, or at least if the match is presented in a certain way, see people are thinking, well, you were just saying that Punk was buried earlier in this podcast. I think the Punk Moxley presentation was all wrong. But if the presentation's right, you can take the loss and it's not going to harm you. So, uh, but theory, yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. And uh, I think he's, I think it's the right decision. It was the right decision not making him champion at SummerSlam. And I think maybe next April, May, he'll be ready by then. He might not actually be ready then either. But I mean, if it's just a short, if it's just a short term run, it shouldn't harm his career if he becomes champ temporarily next year. Yeah, it would have been a disaster to put the belt on him at SummerSlam, yes. especially with Clash at the Castle coming up. It would have put him in a no-win position that he was not ready for. So yeah. I'm glad that uh, everything panned out the way that it did. Um, well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We will be back doing more over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes, where we'll be reviewing an old issue of Power Slam issue 227. We're also doing the SummerSlam 2002 review today. Um, so do go check us out over there. And Inside the Ropes magazine is where it's at, insidetheropesmagazine.com. You can pick up the latest issue. The latest issue, which I just saw this morning, Finn, had been shared on Paul Heyman's Instagram story with the first page of your article on uh, Heyman. He was sharing that on his Instagram this morning. So what was it? It is traveling wide. Is Inside the Ropes magazine? That was that, that was that was not the latest issue. Was the, that the, the one before? Yeah, one before, right? Okay. So, well, I'm glad Paul liked that article. Yeah. Well, with with American Ship, and he probably received that Moxley issue like two days ago or something. I still American. don't understand why it's taking so long for mail to reach America. I mean, you can't blame it on COVID. Now that's all. Well, no, I know it's it's because they 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 took away in America. They took away a bunch of the money for the postal service a couple of years ago, uh, and it's just yeah. it's now. They don't spend anywhere near as much money on the postal service, so international mail is kind of the last, the last bit of the queue. So... Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Wow, that's terrible. I mean, our our mail over here is still pretty good. I yeah, think. ours is. I mean, ours is pretty good. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's the last thing, and it's unfortunate. I know that people who subscribe in America, you know, it does take a few weeks, and you know, we sometimes get questions that anything you can do, and unfortunately, not. You know, we can do is really. Be at the at the behest of the the US Postal Service. So, yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day with Power Slam, we usually would get there at the latest in seven days. Um, sometimes as as like four or five days. Uh, the airmail service was that quick, so we went through this one phase very briefly, actually, of trying to save money by using this other type of service. We only did that for a couple of issues, and it's like this is a disaster. We're going to go back to the airmail. Uh, but yeah, it was always very reliable back, um, you know, in the early 2010s and certainly throughout the 2000s. Well, hopefully it goes back to that. Hopefully, uh, you know, at some point they put some money back into the postal service. But um, anyway, um, you can check it inside the Oaks magazine at insidetheoaksmagazine.com where you can pick up that Moxley issue uh, where uh, Finn wrote that great piece on Paul Heyman. You can pick up the latest issue with Vince McMahon in the cover with all the drama that um, went on with uh, with Vince. Brian Solomon wrote a great piece on Vince's legacy and uh, all the stuff that happened with him in the company. So, um, But yeah, we hope that you'll check it out. And Finn, we will be... Uh, back with these lovely people on Tuesday for what's going down, but I'm sure there'll be lots more news for us to go through of stuff that's happened in the wrestling. 
Absolutely, Kenny. I can't wait. <laughs> so thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.